Hello everybody, you're listening to the Scottish Bite podcast. Uh, today we'll talk about Scottish gastronomic identity and how it's changing with multiculturalism, vegan and vegetarian options. Please welcome Deputy Head of Print and Editor of Menu Food Magazine, Brian Stormont. Hi Brian, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. So very broadly, what, what is the Scottish food scene today? I think the Scottish food scene is probably one of the most, well, probably perhaps one of the most vibrant points it has been for for its entirety. There are so many exciting things going on, you know, so many developments, not only talking about high-end restaurants, but, you know, right down to food trucks, uh, you know, food shacks, street food. You know, there's a lot of exciting things going on, you know, um, and not necessarily confined to the big cities either, you know, a lot of exciting things happening in smaller rural communities, you know, um, and it was a very, very good time for the Scottish food scene, in my opinion. And in the course of the past few years, Scottish cuisine has been greatly impacted by multicultural influences. Uh, do you think that Scottish cuisine is evolving uh, along, the, uh, along with them or that they are considered different, separate uh, realities? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that Scottish food culture and people involved in food in the country have embraced things. I mean, if you think, for instance, take haggis, you know, and then take nachos, obviously a traditional Mexican type of dish and people are bringing out haggis nachos, you know. It's widely uh, thought or believed that chicken tikka masala was invented in Glasgow, you know, when a chap was worried about his chicken tikka being a little bit dry and asked for some sauce and the chef cooked up a bit of tomato soup with some spices in it. You know, it's maybe a legend, it's maybe a, an urban myth, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's a story all the same, you know. And I think throughout time, Scotland has such a great availability of fresh produce, particularly during the summer months, um, that we can take influences from throughout the world and work them or develop them with the, f the sort of ingredients and the produce that we have and bring our versions of, you know, traditional dishes from other parts of the world using our great ingredients. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Even, you know, being a, an Italian, I can see that uh, the Scottish produce is amazing from seafood, shellfish, beef, lamb, foraging in the forest. Uh, but despite that, uh, Scottish cuisine doesn't have a great rep international reputation. Why do you think is that? I think it's probably because, you know, the, there's been a lot of sort of joke influences going around, you know, the deep fried Mars bar, for instance, probably doesn't, you know, make us look particularly good. But the truth be told, I mean, how many people have actually eaten deep fried Mars bar? Um, we are famous for, you know, we make a fantastic Scottish breakfast, but is it that good for you? You know, we like to make hearty mince and tatties. We like to make steak pie, but, you know, strip away the sort of traditional type dishes and, um, you can see that we also have incredible things going on with our fish, you know, our seafood. You know, you've got langoustines that, you know, are probably exported more, I think, than they are used in this part of the world. Um, crab, you know, there's species of crab, I can't quite recall which one it is off the top of my head. Again, probably exported more to countries like Spain and Italy, where they are much more appreciated. So I think we probably have a bad reputation because we are reckoned to be, you know, cooking our food, probably not in the best way, but also 
because we have a lot of great ingredients that we perhaps aren't using as well as we could. But in saying that, there are some terrific restaurants. So how can it be uh, further elevated to compete with other nations, in your opinion? I think it's just by, you know, u- utilising the produce, utilising the ingredients, you know, and saying, you know, this is what we can do. You know, we're not just going to be making fish and chips that you get from the chippy on a Friday night. We're not just going to be having haggis, neeps and tatties, you know, all these sort of standard dishes that people seem to associate with Scotland. You know, we are going to be making a fantastic uh, Italian feast, uh, for instance, out of, you know, Scottish tomatoes, Scottish mushrooms, which are all coming into season now, uh, particularly well, mushrooms are more readily available earlier on in the year. But, you know, you do have these tomatoes now and uh, chilies, you know, a lot of chilli farms about, you know, things that you probably would never have associated with our food are now becoming more available. And chefs, you know, are embracing this and saying, well, do you know what? We don't actually have to import these ingredients. And that's given our restaurants and our eateries and an opportunity to take dishes to the next level and say to the world, you know, we're here, you know, we're we're now not necessarily punching above our weight. We're actually reaching the weight that we should be at. And because we are now using these ingredients and produce in the way that they should be. So uh, as an Italian, I normally see a different approach uh, to international food here. For example, in Italy, a few months ago, a new minister ministry was established uh, to safeguard Italian products and cuisine, which uh, doesn't leave much space to multi-ethnic options. And I wonder how do Scots feel towards the traditional Scottish cuisine and international food? Does their opinion change depending on their age? Like, do older people miss more traditional food and maybe younger are more willing to try new new options, new things, do you think? Yeah, I I think you you probably hit the nail on the head there. I mean, if I think about my parents, you know, my my dad still eats the same meals on the same days every week, you know, um, because that's what he's always done. Um, my mother-in-law, you know, if I say to her, oh, we're going to try something different, you know, well, let's go out for, for a meal. She's not keen to perhaps embrace that. Whereas younger people now are seeing restaurants, you know, opening up or have been open for a while that are doing something different and they want to go along and try it um, because they're, you know, particularly with social media, that's another thing that perhaps older people don't necessarily use social media in the way that younger folk do so they're not embracing the stuff the, the the availability of these fantastic restaurants and um, whereas younger people are sharing stuff all the time saying look i went here for my dinner last night and it was fantastic and you know this was a great italian this was a fantastic mexican you know by the way if you tried these spanish tapas you're taking pictures you're sending them on instagram you're or you're just sending them through whatsapp to your friends and sharing sharing the experience and uh, you know, you know yourself. You know, if you if you share food on Instagram, for instance, you know, and people start sharing it about, and you get so many likes, and people commenting and asking you where it was and how it was. So you know, I think that the technology certainly plays a huge part in it, as well as sort of ageism, perhaps. And uh, considering the introduction of modern diets like vegan and vegetarian diets, uh, how authentic is still uh, Scottish cuisine? For example, can the vegetarian version of the Aggies can still be considered national Scottish dish? Um, well, I mean, I suppose at the end of the day, that if you look at the ingredients of Haggis, that if you take the meat element out of it and you're replacing it with perhaps some grains or uh, pearl barley or, you know, things like that, you're still getting those great spices in there um, and it still is effectively 
a type of haggis. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan, but I actually really, really like vegetarian haggis. I think vegetarian haggis is a is one of the real sort of success stories uh, of a, a dish that can be made. Um, and then you take now, you know, you've got a lot of vegetarian and vegan substitutes um, that are really doing very, very well with regards to um, providing an opportunity, you know, with chicken pieces, beef pieces, uh, sausages. You know, I've tried a few of them. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, despite being a, you know, a meat, a meat eater, a, a, a carnivore, I'm not afraid to try these dishes. I often cook with uh, vegetarian substitutes. Um, I made a, a kima mince dish last week with a vegetarian uh, mince, which was every bit as good as if I'd used meat because I recognise that, you know, sometimes it, it isn't good to be eating red meat all the time in your diet. So I do like to try and make that change, you know. So, yeah, I, I think there, there are... I'm not, you can't really, you can't do it with fish, let's face it. You know, you're not going to imitate the fish. You're not going to imitate seafood. You're not going to imitate lobster, you know, crab, longestines, you know, a fantastic seafood that we've we've got available from coming off our, our seas around the coast of, of, of coasts of Scotland. And that's not going to happen. But otherwise, I think you probably pretty much can embrace it, you know. Um, but by saying that, you know, we're, we're in lamb season, you're not going to be imitating roast lamb. Let's face it; you're just not going to be doing it. Um, but there are opportunities, certainly, with the likes of haggis, as you mentioned, to to do a good a good good enough job with that. I think. Uh, okay, so thank you very much, Brian. This was my last question. Um, you have listened to the Scottish Bites podcast and can find much more content uh, on the Scottish Bites website. Thank you for listening. <laughs>